this is news to me, but apparently for some people, it's not so challenging as it is for others. She raises her hand uh, in terms of raising teenagers. So what's going on there? Like, are some people just better parents or like, <laughs> you know, Ooh. better at, at maybe they're better at dynamics or I don't know, communication, whatever's relevant there. But how can some people swing it and some people just oh, epically yeah. fail? <laughs> yeah, I cannot. Oh, this is, I, I don't know how to answer this question without upsetting a lot of people. Um, <laughs> but but generally speaking, I think it comes a lot from from their own parenting style, you know, and, and I feel, and I say this over and over again, like anyone who's a parent, when your kid came into this world, they didn't get like a user manual on how to, on how to you know, deal with them or raise them, right? So a lot of parents use their own um, life experiences, their own upbringing as a foundation for kind of how to parent. And I find with, especially with a lot of my clients where, um, you know, kids are having problems with their parents and vice versa, it's because maybe mom and dad are coming from a position where, you know, they might be maybe a little bit more conservative, a little bit more opinionated, a little bit more strict. Um, and they're not able to kind of really flow or, or, or grow with their child being different to them or having different opinions. Um, and so that's kind of where I find a lot of the friction. And a lot of the parents who find it the easiest are the ones who embrace the fact that their kids might have different interests, might have different um uh, you know, viewpoints as they do, um, and then kind of like being flexible with that and then learning how to communicate and learning how to, um, you know, work with their child's differences. Um, those are the parents that I think find it the easiest. Now, I'm not, I'm, I'm going to say that I don't think any parent <laughs> finds it super easy. Um, but I think the ones who seem to have a flow and seem to have a lot more um, comfort with it is are the ones who are a little bit more flexible. I but think. who are they studying? I mean, this study... Who do they ask? Which parent yeah. ever finds raising any child yeah. easy? You know? Yeah. I, I don't I don't think I can name any. Like I don't think I know any of my parents, so even the ones who are super close to their kids and rarely fight with their kids, they still find it challenging. Yeah. Like I don't think I know anyone who thinks it's easy. I think for me like the, the most challenging parts are the boring parts, like having to like provide meals every day, feed them. Like those <laughs> the, the the humdrum things just mm. That that's my insanity of like I can't can't cope. But going back to what you're saying about Ooh. so the parents that on the sort of the the spectrum of going with the flow um, mm. versus sort of being rigid to to rules and regulations. Mm, I'm mm. simplifying this. Mm. Um, somewhere in there, there is mm. this sort of like disconnect with the fact that we were all teenagers once, mm. right? Yes. So. Yes. How does that happen? Why does that happen? Is it because it's beaten out of us? Like, are we kind of are we damaged and broken by the time we have our kids that we don't remember what it's like to be a we're teen? We're just completely like jaded about. Yeah, life no, we're like robots, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's just because we've outlived it or we've sort of we've lived past it. Right. So the thing with teenagers is that, you know, you're, you're dealing with a demographic that is uh, growing neurologically. They're growing physically. They're experiencing a lot of what life has to offer for the first time. Um, and I think they're also at this stage where they're kind of moving out of that phase where, you know, because when you are in sort of your primary years and below, you know, your mom and dad, your family is kind of like the main environment that you're involved in, right? So if anything, the only thing that matters is kind of what happens in that in that circle, in that bubble. But then once you become a teenager, you're starting to include sort of the social aspect into it a little bit more. They're starting to develop friendships and relationships outside of the family unit. Um, they're allowed to go out and, and have friends outside of the home and have a life outside of the home. Um, some kids get part-time jobs. So they're kind of having this different bubble. And so... 
um, the thing is like, you know, they are um, experiencing things for the very first time. And the thing is, we've probably lived through everything that they're going through. And we've come to a point where ultimately, you know, your friends not wanting to be your friends is not catastrophic. You will live through it. Getting a bad grade is not catastrophic. You will live through it. We've gotten to that stage where we're kind of a little bit desensitized to the things that they've gone through. And so I find a lot of parents taking that stance where they tell their kids, oh, it's fine. Don't just get over it. It'll be okay. Right. But they can say that because they've lived through it. They have that experience. They know with certainty it's going to be okay. Um, but kids don't. So I always tell parents to just forget what it's like to be an adult um, and have the answers and, and remember that these kids don't have the answers and you need to go through it with them instead of just telling them because it's kind of like for us, if say, for example, um, you know, uh, we get told by someone that, oh, um, you know, everything is going to be fine. Your boss is not going to get mad. But until you have that conversation with your boss, you don't know if he's going to be mm -hmm. mad or not. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like that. So I think it's that we've kind of lived through it and we've kind of seen that it's not a big deal. And so we can't really appreciate or remember what it's like to be that terrified or that upset. Um, so that's kind of where I feel it, it kind of breaks down a little bit. Is it? This is just from my <laughs> point of view, right? Is it better to have been a hard-to-deal-with teenager so mm -hmm. that when you have kids of your own and then when they become teenagers and then they're hard-to-deal-with, you go, oh, right, so that's what my parents went through. <laughs> my grandmother just said it's karma to me. <laughs> right? But in this Joking. case, like, is it like if you are, like, if you were like a really good teenager and you follow all the rules and everything, then, mm. then oh, your kid right. doesn't follow the rules. You're right. like, why is he or she like that? Mm, so... Mm. Is it about not relating to your kid? I think a little bit. I think that if you are the kind of person who, um, you know, has never really pushed the envelope, was very textbook, kind of followed the rules, you might find it very frustrating when your child does it, if, or if your child doesn't, right? And I think that's kind of where your life experience inevitably affects your parenting. But where, you know, like what Asha was saying, the flexibility element comes into it is when parents go, okay, I was not like this, but I'm willing to learn and understand mm -hmm. what it's like to have a child like this and go through it with them, right? So my, my fiance has this joke that because I was such a Buddha you know like I basically just did everything I was supposed to that if we have a child who's out of the box I'm so glad I have him because he is the polar opposite so it really is kind of your your life experience does impact it right so it's about whether or not you're willing to go with that change and go with that flow or whether you're going to stick to your guns and expect your child to conform to you that's the bit that I find yeah so okay so that's like part of like how you're communicating with them right mm, mm. so so is there a very simple thing that mm. parents of teens can do mm. that is what you can use every single time you need to mm. have a conversation or broach mm -hmm. a subject, whatever mm -hmm. it is, um, mm. that kind of puts you into the right frame of mind? Um, mm -hmm. I mean, I know with me, the things that I used to use when he was a bit younger, like just mm. tweening, mm. now don't work. So, you know, you mm. have to change your game. Otherwise, mm -hmm. <laughs> they, right. they catch you yeah. at it, right? But, right, yeah. so be flexible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, yes, being being flexible. I've, I, you know, I've, I read this quote the other day that I think a lot of people, um, a lot of people listen for the purpose of answering um, and not for the purpose of listening. 
right? And I think that when you're parenting a teen that's so important, there is a step-by-step guide, which I actually teach a lot of my parents, um, about how to navigate conversations with teenagers. Because the first thing that you have to remember when dealing with a teenager is that despite how they look and despite how they might speak to you, neurologically, you're not on the same level. There is a... <laughs> they are technically they are honestly the tiny little they're, psychopath. They're, they're, yeah. yeah their brain is like a warring psychopath because they are so hormonal i read that it's scientific right yes yes yeah. they are extremely hormonal and in addition to that so there's a there's anyone who's met me hears me talk about this because i find this so fascinating but there is a reason there's a region of the brain called the prefrontal cortex which is basically simply put the front part of your head um and that part of your brain controls everything that makes us functional adults right so like our emotions our planning our organizational skills and all that and that part of the brain and i'm sure you know jd's heard me talk about this before um isn't fully mature till you're about 20 so when you are dealing with a 14 year old you're dealing with someone who is at 50 percent capacity in that region so they haven't got the correct ios update right and so when parents <laughs> when parents are sitting there trying to reason with their teen like they would with a peer with another adult right that always fails <clears throat> almost 100 percent of the time so what I always tell parents is to take that out of the equation, go into a conversation knowing that your child is not at the same level. And therefore, if they aren't able to get certain concepts, this common sense thing does not apply to them. Don't get mad, right? Because this is normal. So kind of go into it with that mindset. And I find that that really, really helps. Um, the other thing is to also start with validating their emotions. So repeat what you see. So, you know, I can see that you're kind of angry about this. I can see that you're kind of frustrated. So repeat what you see. Don't try to assume how they feel. Just read their body language, hear what they're saying and rep and sort of parrot back what you see. Because what you're doing is that you're allowing them to first and foremost hear that you are validating their emotions. Because the minute that you start being an adult and you're trying to tell them you don't need to feel this way or you're trying to infer their opinions, a wall goes up and they go, you don't get me. We get you, kid. But, you know, yeah. at that moment, they're like, yeah. you don't get me. So um, those are some of the, the initial things that I tell parents to do is to just first and foremost, not kind of um, expect them to be able to respond the way that you do. Secondly, is to also validate their feelings by, by repeating what you see. Um, and then, you know, if, if they're upset or whatever, I would like to kind of jump in and say, okay, I can see that you're quite upset, you know, and I really kind of want to help you feel a bit better. So tell me what I can do. Right. So things like that. So give them the opportunity to tell you what they need and actually listen to it. Um, those are some of the things that I usually tell parents to try to remember. We'll be back very shortly uh, with another episode of Negotiating with Terrorists. With <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's what it feels like sometimes. Yeah, yeah. And it's just like, you know, I think also when, 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 when you're an overwhelm, you're, you know, uh, you know, I'm not very good at this all the time but it is kind of like you're stepping there are landmines everywhere go down uh -huh, this way you uh -huh. don't understand go down that way I hate you you know it's like uh -huh. and all you want to do is sort of get to that sort of sweet spot and invariably yeah. actually yeah it is I don't know about you but did you ever leave the room slamming the door me no <laughs> <laughs> oh but I think you know I I feel like they are in such it's such a 
it's just a scary time for them, you know, and it's, it's, and I think a lot of adults do forget that, right? There's a lot of things that they can't control. Their hormones are bouncing all over the place. They're subject to so much peer pressure. And I think that we don't give our kids enough credit nowadays because when we were growing up, social media didn't exist, you know, it is, yeah, yeah it is a really tricky time for them. Um, but that being said, you know, I, I, I feel for parents as well because there really is no, um, you know, even if we were to kind of reflect on our or, or to to refer back to our parents on how to raise teens, they don't even really know because it's a different ball game nowadays altogether, right? So I feel like you know, I, I tell parents it's not easy. It takes a village. It really is true, right? Um, but there are very uh, sort of. Uh, uh, clear-cut black and white techniques that we in therapy use a lot when we when we're dealing with teenagers in fact i have a book that i'm looking up to that actually really helps it was based on a it was a technique the step-by-step technique and i want to pull it down but i don't know if i can um so it's it's following stuff like this so it's giving parents a very simple framework on what to do um you are human. If you get upset, it's okay, right? You're not you're not supposed to be Yoda Zen master all the time. So or if ever. you get upset or, or ever. ever. Yeah. <laughs> so if you get if <laughs> these are not the drones you're looking for. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, if that's not if you're not able to stay calm and things get explosive, you know, just remember that you can always go back to it. If a conversation doesn't go the way that you wanted. Take some, you know, take some some time, get some space, and then when things are calmer, do go back to them and just be like, "Hey, so I kind of wanted to talk to you about what happened earlier. I'm really, really uh, sorry that things got to that level, but I'm really interested to know kind of how you feel, um, because I think that that's something that a lot of parents don't do enough. Is that when things get explosive, they kind of leave it." And then expect to then just kind of be super nice or just kind of like leave it and then get back to things, uh, life as usual. But you can always go back to it. So that's, yeah, that's what I would say. I think I find what helps um, in that for me personally um, is actually apologizing and saying, I am supposed to know better and didn't handle myself well. How am I supposed Mm. to expect you to sort of um, do, do better than what I can't do? So I find that actually, you know, highlighting the flaws but if you apologize do you lose the respect i suppose i don't know no not at all i feel like there's and i think this is very asian as well is the fact that the concept of respect we don't really stress the fact that you know um it is a two-way street right i think in asia we kind of feel like because you're an adult because you're the parents you have to automatically respect uh, them but then the reverse might not be something that a lot of people feel they have to do so I like what Asha said it is really important to apologize when you make mistakes because you're setting the tone for your kids you know your kids are never going to apologize if mom never does or dad never does right so they need to feel like if you're setting the tone I am acknowledging my flaws I'm acknowledging my mistakes and I'm and I'm making amends that is going to be what they are going to follow when they're in that position. So I don't think you compromise respect by apologizing. Um, I think you compromise respect if you're kind of putting yourself in a position where um, the child always wins, right? And you're not kind of addressing certain issues. You're not um, giving them consequences. You're not enforcing rules. You're basically do- a doormat, right? Because you don't want to you don't want to incite any arguments. That could kind of make you not uh, sort of tread the line of not being respected. But ultimately, saying sorry, I think, makes them respect you more. Mm. Okay, just going back to something you said earlier about, Mm. you know, I I call it 
this is the era of swimming with sharks when it comes to raising your kid because mm. you know we're we're going through as you said the social media stuff mm. and we it's our job to have those important conversations with with the teens yes. about their body about safety and mm. about things like puberty mm-hmm. um so i wanted to ask you twofold thing here <laughs> how do you talk to them about that it's exactly so i had a conversation with my son uh, the other day like i'm i'm like a sledgehammer open about stuff because I think okay. the whole matter of fact um, I am about something as I am you know it's the same as having a cup of tea mm. the more it takes away any kind of shade that's sort of cast upon it right but mm. obviously the kids have limits it's like I don't want to hear that there's too much you know so you try and follow the kids so you're getting to that age huh <laughs> you can't do that right no you can't um, and yeah. there's not enough times you know like I, back in the old days Walton's there used to be a casual thing of you know something would happen or they'd be pl- out playing game and then that would be a great metaphor to segue into a conversation mm. about stuff mm-hmm. but you know we've been in COVID We've been in lockdown. Yeah. How am I supposed yeah. to, you know, have yeah. those segues? Oh, we're cooking yeah. dinner. By the way, you know. I'd like to talk to you about this really uncomfortable topic. <laughs> right. So, I guess my question is: is like it is a sensitive subject, mm. and it's all the more so because they're so much more acutely self-aware and are already yeah. doing compare and contrast with what's out there in on in, in Instagram and and all yeah. the rest of it. Yeah. Um, so how do you start and approach the sensitive topics? How do you know when to sort of pull back a bit? How do you know when it's mm. too much information, like you don't want to scare them? Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. you're giving too little? And, mm-hmm. and, and to not maybe use metaphors that they won't understand because they may take that literally and then you're stuck with somebody yeah. who thinks that, you know... Yeah. They don't get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Things work yeah. a certain way. So and, you've gotten yeah. on that carriage, have you? <laughs> people are like, what carriage, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, JD, I think if you're planning on having that talk with someone, we need to prep you before. Okay, okay, yeah, good, good, yeah, good, good, yeah. good. All right. <laughs> I second that. We're taking that <laughs> right. to lunch. But just, yeah. how do you approach that? Oh, man. You know, I think that the one thing is you have to remember that, like, you know, if you're they're they're probably going to come across it, whether you want to or not, with social media and with, you know, just a lot of the younger generation are talking so openly about things like body image issues and sexuality, like so much more than when we were growing up. So, you know, parents who try to shelter their kids too much, it's not going to work. They're going to find out. But ultimately, what you do want to do is to have um, an open line of communication with them where they feel comfortable coming to you if they have questions. So something that I find is comfortable is to do what Asha was saying is to kind of try and be like, hey, so, you know, um, I was, you know, you could start with something like, hey, so I was on Instagram the other day and I saw this post about someone was talking about sort of like their body and stuff. And it kind of made me realize that, you know, you are growing up and you might have certain questions. And, you know, I just want you to know that if you see anything on the internet or your friends are talking about things, or if you have any questions about, you know, your body's changes and stuff like that, you know, mom's here to, to help you through with that, right? So it's, it's, it's helpful to kind of just tell them like, look, I'm here, right? If you see anything, just, you know, give me a heads up and I can help you out with that. That could be a lighter way of kind of talking about it. If you know that they're at the age where they're on social media and their friends are chatting about it, which to be honest, I've got kids as young as like 11 or 10 who are coming in here who are talking about things like sexuality and mm. things like that. 10. So, even younger my goodness even younger yeah it's in primary school now don't forget what they're exposed to on YouTube and if parents don't have controls and stuff what you see coming up as suggested next can be quite frightening but that's a whole different conversation for another day yeah yeah but is it easier because I I'm putting myself in a 
let's say I'm I'm a teenage kid. I'm a teenage boy, mm. and my mom comes up to me and says, "Hey, you're getting to that age. Want to have that <laughs> chat, right?" I don't know whether I want to talk to my mom about it, right? Or yeah. is it easier for a boy to talk to the dad and a girl to mm. talk to the mom about mm. puberty? I I'd like to answer that because mm. I'm a single mom mm. with a son. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, like for me, it was like the only way I could do this was to, like, everything is exactly the same. Your yeah. bum mm. is the same as your nose, and both should be kept clean. If you know what I mean. Right. Right. Okay. Really, like that's it. So, <laughs> I like that phrase. Yeah. So, um. So you know, like when I had to research about how to do, you know, um, getting nappy trained, uh, potty mm. trained. Sorry, you know, I put uh, target practice. So I had in the garden. Like little bath toys there, and and Bear's like, okay, hold it, target practice, try and shoot that sort of thing, T- to be as casual, even if I yes. was uncomfortable, mm. as casual as possible, because there is nothing, any kind of weirdness I feel is actually on me, because at the end of the day, the weirdness only comes when you create the weirdness, right? Right. Yeah. So I think like it's even more powerful, perhaps when, in my opinion, the opposite gendered parent has mm. those conversations to know that it. Is something you should be able to talk about with anybody. So, mm-hmm. is it easier for moms? Because moms generally oh, can dads, yeah. can deal with both boys and girls, but dads yeah. are like, when a girl comes of age, they're like, "How do I talk to my little girl about this?" You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think it. I think I, I, you know what Asha said is true. The, the discomfort is on behalf of the parent, especially right? the guys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Men. So I think like, you know, I've, I've had single dads come in here who've had to talk to their daughters about periods and things like that. And it's mortifying to the parent, right? But for the child, they don't know any better. You know, they, they don't know any better because you're the only parent they have. So, yeah. Can you imagine, though, how cool it would be for a girl to grow up into a woman having that closeness with a dad? being able to talk about that kind of stuff that's pretty pretty awesome yeah but the guy can't relate in a way you know what I mean <laughs> okay can I ask you a question then uh, can you think of anybody you can't you can relate to that you shouldn't be able to relate to because they just do do different things yeah actually you're right okay uh, cool human yeah. to human la. yeah yeah uh, yeah okay. yeah so okay. I mean like yeah I've got so many questions yeah <laughs> <laughs> we'll be here for t- until tomorrow um, yeah Okay, so yeah, so so the first suggestion is mm. to kind of open the door and leave it ajar. Yes. Right? To welcome yes. in any time you want. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So what about how you start off the conversation that needs to be had because perhaps a particular incident happened at school or, mm-hmm. you know, the bullying's around or name yes. call. You know, you, for whatever reason, you have mm. to instigate and have. You can't just leave it open, that mm. conversation. Like, how do you mm. do that? So I would first take into consideration how old they are. So your, um, you know, the younger children. So we're talking about sort of like in the upper primary, early secondary age. I'd kind of focus on it as from like a physical thing, and just be like, hey, so you know, um, I know that there are certain uh, conversations that are being had at school about this, and I kind of just wanted to talk to you about it so that you know you're getting. Um, information from a place that you can trust other than sort of stuff that might not be valid, right? And I'm open to any questions you might have. Um, I mean, of course, don't say it this formally, but sort of in this sort of realm. Um, but, you know, I would always say to them, like, focus on the physicality of it. So like, okay, so now that you're, you know, 13, 14, 11, whatever it is, um, you know, your body's going to be doing a lot of changes because you're growing, right? So for example, you might have, um, you know, changes in different parts of your body. Like for girls, you might get, you know, your, your breasts might kind of 
grow and kind of focus on sort of the physicality side of it and remember that if you're going to be cringing through it they are going to make it they're going to feel it's uncomfortable yeah stick to the facts yes. jd okay okay stick fine. to the, the facts right, all right yeah so kind of just make it like you know very casual very sort of like um you know not uncomfortable even though it might be on the inside for you focus on the physicality side of it um and then as they get so don't feel compelled to talk about um sort of like more the sexual side of things with the younger group because that will be TMI for them right but as you get older you know feel free to include that in the conversation and make it normal and just be like you know for boys for example right so um you know say say things that you know you're going to have certain changes you're going to have certain interests and urges that you're going to need to want to you know address and that's completely normal and it's completely fine you know talk about things like safe sex and protection and all of that but remember that your tone of voice is really important if you're going to make it sound bad like i've had some parents tell kids that they're not allowed to you know the topic of sexuality is a no no right um you're not going to tell your kids to go out and have, you know, sexual relations just because you're talking about it, mm. right? You it, that's a misconception we need to break. So, feel free to talk about and be like, you know, this is going to happen one day. I would like for you to wait until you're older because it's it's safer for you and you can make more choices as you get older. Um but ultimately one day it is going to happen and if that happens, you know, you need to be safe by doing this because if not you could get sick and you know, you kind of just be very factual with them. Um so think about the age, do something that's age appropriate, right? Um be mindful of your tone of voice make sure that you're not being too judgy too you know negative too cringy whatever it is um because they're going to take the cue from there listen to them if they're like you know mom this is really like uncomfortable pull back and be like okay i understand it might be a bit weirded out but you know it's important that you know all of these things and there's a lot of you know if you're going out to your friends who are learning about it at the same time as you you might get sort of inaccurate information. So whenever you're ready to come back and ask me questions, let me know. You know, so just be mindful of what your kids' boundaries are. Um but, you know, uh it is a conversation that needs to be had. So kind of plan it before you have it. Don't kind of just be like on a whim and just be like, "Hey, okay, I'm going to go and talk to you about this." Yeah, don't be spontaneous. So, uh, you know, I've just decided to have the right. birds and the bees talk with you okay. today. I'm just buying two eggs. I got two yeah. fried eggs in the pan. So, son, let me talk to you about women. So, stick to the facts. Yeah. Yeah. Don't look cringy and uh yeah. pull back if everyone feels a bit uncomfortable. Okay. Yes, and be age appropriate. So, don't try to talk about sex and stuff if they're like 8 or nine or whatever however old because i was reading the other day that some parents are being encouraged to talk to kids about puberty at about like seven or eight and so that's like a little too mm. old talking about like you know intimacy and stuff because they might not they're just emotionally not ready for that stuff yeah. uh, but at the same time if you're having this chat pretty late with your 16 17 year old you should be talking about it so son you're 30 now <laughs> let's have that chat right finally <laughs> hilarious oh my goodness <laughs> um okay i guess i guess you know um again harking back to something you were saying about you know this day and age is there some aspect or area about raising teens and obviously with the you know very difficult time we're going through at the moment that's mm. something super important to sort of kind of be aware of and mm. and keep sort of closer in in our periphery in terms of our thinking just to sort yeah. of keep an eye to know um you know being moody slamming the doors and angry is okay mm. but mm -hmm. perhaps this isn't like how, you know is there anything we should be thinking about um yeah 
I mean, I think that any type of withdrawal is bad, right? So if your child is kind of pulling away, not wanting to... So this is the thing that I find really funny when I talk about this to parents is that um, when teenagers don't want to be around their friends or when they don't want to socialize, I've had a lot of parents think that that's a good thing because they're just like, yeah, more time with the family, more time studying, you know, or something like that. But it's actually developmentally appropriate at that age for them to be very social creatures. And so if they are um, either finding it difficult to engage or they were previously social and withdrawing, that's something that needs to be uh, taken into account and really sort of paid attention to. Now more than ever, especially with this lockdown, it is so easy for kids to just kind of cling to the wall um, and withdraw from their friends. And that's not healthy. Definitely, if they're doing any type of sort of isolation, if they're imposing any type of isolation on themselves, that's something to keep uh, to keep mindful of. Um, the other thing also is if anything that they're doing is impacting upon their functioning as a team. So if, say, for example, they are uh, extremely shy and that's affecting their ability to socialize or even talk to family members, um, that's sort of uh, impacting on their ability to function, that's a problem. Um, if they are um, super anxious that they don't um, want to sit through online learning or anything like that, that's affecting their ability to function and therefore it's a problem. So if it's something that's not a bit... Uh, that's not impacting upon their you know, ability to live and do the things that normal teenagers do, then kind of let it go. The door slamming and stuff, like it's normal. normal and you, yeah. you know, Not nice, but normal. Um, but if, for example, they're having so much anger issues that they're hurting themselves or they're hurting other people, again, not normal. So just think about what they need to function as a teenager of that age or what they're supposed to be doing, their responsibilities. And if they're not able to do them, then that's a problem and you need to kind of keep an eye out for that. Yeah, I get a bit suspect when when my kiddo, I hope he's not listening, um, is <laughs> nice and polite. And I'm just yeah. like, what are you, what are you, what have you done? <laughs> what's wrong? Do you have a fever? Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, no, I only say that because like when, when he's sort of feeling quiet and, and sort of munderish, it's like mm. n- predominantly he's in his room gaming mm. and he's in his world and his social life. He's got mm. it going on, you know, he's... Mm. Um, so yeah, when he comes down yeah. and wants to spend any time with me, I'm kind of like, are you, are you sick? <laughs> <laughs> Please don't be sick. Um, okay, so I guess uh, another another question: having you know um, a kiddo who thinks that that was my stomach. I've eaten cheesecake, but I'm still so <laughs> hungry. Okay, <laughs> yeah. Okay. yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah. Sorry. Um, so having a kiddo who, you know, okay, let me start again. The area I live in and the group of, of people I know because of school and everything, you know, we've got a vast range of um, different kinds of teens with different interests, which is absolutely normal because people are snowflakes. They're different, mm. right? And I don't mm. mean snowflakes in the um, colloquial negative right, right. term. Mm. I mean like different individual, kinds of people. Yes, different, different kinds, kinds of people. Mm. Um, however, I have noticed um, with my own son and with other kids that are rainbow kids that mm there are a lot of other things to take into consideration, like mm-hmm. um, w- whether it's hypersensitivity mm-hmm. um, and all of those things that come in, in play, especially now again with, with lockdown happening again mm. and school mm. being blocked out. So I wonder whether there's sort of any differences we could talk about mm. raising teens that are, I hate using this sort of differentiation, but atypical yeah. and typical. Yeah, yeah. And I say that with reservation. I don't mean to, you know, upset anyone because I don't like it either, yeah. but it's the only way yeah. to sort of just explain what I mean. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I think that 
you know, the snowflake analogy, not the negative one, um, it really is true. And even, you know, the way that I look at it is even within the quote unquote typical range, no two child, no two children are the same, right? No two kids are the same. And so I find that that sort of uh, like boundary between typical and atypical is kind of irrelevant sometimes because I just look at the atypical children as just being a variation of, you know, as just being a different child to just like how everyone else is different. And so I, you know, I think it's important to just, you know, embrace the fact that everyone is made up out of different things. Like even children who are on the autism for, spectrum, for example, it's called a spectrum because all of them behave differently. All of them have different needs and different, um, you know, challenges. And so, you know, I always tell parents, Use your child as the starting point, right? Your kid is going to be made out of different things. They're going to have different insecurities. They're going to have different issues. Um, use that as a starting block. Don't use everyone else's um, starting points as where you think you should be, right? Just because your one child might have hypersensitivity or, 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 for example, like tactile sensitivity, which other kids might not have. Don't try to force your kid or feel bad about yourself or about your child about the fact that he's not like that, right? So, you know, start with your child, address the issues that affect your child with your child, right? And if, for example, you have, which is something that's very common with the kids I work with, is when um, they're quite high functioning and they identify that they're not like maybe the more, again, quote unquote, typical mm. children. The um, awareness, yeah. The awareness, yeah. So that's something that you kind of have to talk through the talk through with them and say to them like, yeah, you know, I mean, everybody's kind of different. Like some things that you might find really, really easy to do, I'm sure that even they find really, really difficult to do, right? So just because you find something challenging doesn't make you less than or make you any different to them. It's just, or inferior to them. It just means that you're built differently, right? So let's think about the things that you can do that you do really, really well um, and see whether it's something that, you know, other people have different strengths as well. So it's about kind of normalizing it, right? Which is something that I really like a lot of schools in, in Malaysia uh, are trying to do where they're trying to, um, allow more sort of uh, you know, differently abled or special needs or whatever you want to call it, uh, groups of kids to join sort of mainstream classes in an effort to kind of encourage kids to accept differences in different kids. And that's how we should really be approaching it. So if your child has different sensitivities or different challenges, make sure you address it with them. And if they start to develop an awareness that other kids are different, just kind of point out that you, you, know, you have strengths and they have strengths and so on and so forth. Yeah, I think I think this time of COVID it really brings upon it uh, an amplification on on stuff and maybe even a mm. slight sort of regression um, in certain areas like you know yeah. that the, the the over or the hyper sensitivity to stuff naturally comes into play. But then again, yes. you know you got normal kids who are, who are anxious as well. But I do yeah. tell you one thing though, and this is something I learned the hard way, even though I forget it over and over again, is every time you try and have a conversation about what makes that put that kid sort of special mm. um, just to try and you know you go in with all the best of intention mm. this is what you're special let's discuss about you know like, um, what you can do or how you are different and why that's not a negative it's just a neutral all those kinds of mm. things it's mm. as bad as your mum coming up to you and telling you just before you go out on your first date how pretty you look <laughs> you know you're going to run and change yeah. if mummy calls you pretty and you know you don't believe her yeah. if she calls you pretty because it's just yeah. mum right so yeah. you've got all yeah. of you know it's just uh, oh again yeah. so don't go up to your kid and say mommy loves you you look very pretty and you're very yeah, special yeah don't don't say that don't okay, do okay, not okay. say that yeah yeah, yeah. 
Okay. Yeah. It's a tricky time because I think that they're also programmed in their head to feel like your parents don't know anything about life and don't know anything about you. Um, and that's developmentally appropriate. I promise you they will grow out of it. Um, but for the moment, yeah, they are going to find, they are going to roll their eyes at a lot of things that you say. But ultimately, if you are um, enforcing it, if you are being sort of this consistent presence in their life, then at least they have that to fall back on. You know, right. it's the universe testing you as your as your decision to be a parent. They throw these challenges up, and yeah. you you have to meet them with the heart yeah. of a warrior. Yeah. <laughs> I am being challenged. I will game on. God said, "Hey, you wanted a kid, yeah, deal with it, right? Have, yeah. This is what it is, exactly." Okay, so what would you say if you had um, one big umbrella or a couple of points um, mm. for parents raising teenagers, especially in the, this last year and this year where mm. it's already difficult enough as it is and now you've got all this added pressure um not only from you know socially but also with with schools or not schools and not Mm -hmm. having social interaction like a lot of it has been stunted or amplified so what would be your advice to to parents with with teenagers right now you know it's there's really no um clear-cut step-by-step way on how to raise a kid well you're fired yeah, <laughs> as a resident, yeah, we want yeah. answers for goodness' yeah. sake. <laughs> yeah, no, but I mean, but ultimately, I have you know that's something that I say is that you know there's there's no you know step one, step two, step three, clear cut black and white way of raising your kid, right? There are some golden rules you have to follow, like keeping them safe and helping them develop emotionally and physically and things like that, which I'm sure everybody is aware of, but ultimately whether or not you choose to make this micro decision or that micro decision, um, it's not really, there's no black and white, right? And I think that parents need to embrace that. You need to first stop beating yourself up if you feel like you're not meeting this standard of good parenting. Um, It is a learning process for the rest of your life. It will be, right? But, you know, you're one, you're definitely not alone, right? And that's something that a lot of parents also feel when they make mistakes or when they're having challenges with their children is that they're the only parent on earth whose child is behaving this way um, or that they're the only parent who's messed up this way. You're not, right? And so they will always look to you. So you are the pilots of this airplane. And so for as long as you feel, um, you know, comfortable in your position for as long as you can stay calm and for as long as you're willing to make alterations where necessary your children will follow in kind but if you are freaking out and running out of the cockpit screaming and throwing things even without them knowing why they're all going to start panicking and i and that's a metaphor i use a lot with what's going on outside right now we don't have the answers we're we, you know we're the adults but we don't know the answers to things right we're going into a lockdown which we thought we wouldn't need to at one point right and so you know don't try to explain it to them don't feel like you need to have the answers but for as long as you're staying calm and going with the flow and willing to put one foot in front of the other they will follow so for the sim- simply put Parents, make sure you take care of yourself and you put yourself, make sure that you're in the right state of mind. Um, Because if you prioritize that, your kids will fall into line. Um, And with regards to everything else, just take one day at a time. Listen to your children so they will listen to you. Um, Treat your children the way that you would have liked to be treated when you were that age, when you were angry with your parents over something, what you wished your parents would have said and done. Do the same for your kids. Um, Treat them the way you want to be treated now even. So if you want them, if you want to be treated with respect, respect them, right? Um, And that's a pretty good place to start. 